Welcome to the Momnificent Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them even in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Karin Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Momnificent Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. This is so exciting. Okay, tell me. Um, so let's jump right in because we never have enough time to finish everything we want. Yes, go, go. <laughs> and I know we're not going to get through them all. So I, I see this turning into like a part two later on. Um, oh, let's do that. But so recently, um, even I think I said on the last time we went live, my, oh my gosh, I'm going to call her my aunt, but she's my sister-in-law in Poland. Her three-year-old was just diagnosed. And then a parent just reached out to me last week and they just got a diagnosis for their three-year-old son. Um, with the autism spectrum disorder. So she said to me, what do I do now? What's the first thing I should do? I mean, she is right at the beginning. What, what is like one of the first things you say to the parents when they get, get this, these results? Okay, so, you know, you and I are the same. We approach everything from the heart, right? And so the first thing we have to do is give ourselves as grown up adult parents time to process and time to think and time to feel. There's nothing you need to do immediately, right, for your child. But the first thing you need to do is take some time to process this. And, you know, if you're co-parenting, to process that with your co-parent um, and to really work through any feelings you might have. You know, I'll share with you, and I'm not going to make this, you know, my story, but my son was not diagnosed until he was eight. And, Karen, I think it took me nine months to process it. I remember writing three or four times to the psychologist who diagnosed him. Are you sure he has autism and not just ADHD and anxiety? Are you sure it's autism? Because he was kind of atypical for autism. So that's number one, is you've got to give yourself space and time and love and patience. And that's the most important thing. I think the second thing is figure out where you're gonna learn more. I am a huge fan of, um, there's a series of three books called the Autism Discussion Page. And okay. they also have a page on Facebook, Autism Discussion Page. I okay. don't think they're on any social media like Instagram or anything, but I would say to parents who are just getting the diagnosis, buy one book. You don't have to buy all three books. Buy the first book and start to understand how the autism brain works, right? And you need to understand what are the two diagnostic criteria for autism, but then you also need to understand what, how does this manifest in your child, right? What does autism look like in your child? I remember for my son, his dad and I would always be like, oh, that's his autism, that's his autism. And some people might feel like that's like making an excuse, but for us, it was a way to make sense of behavior that really didn't make sense, you know, in other ways. Unexplainable. So, yeah. What's so, the name of the book? Autism Discussion Page. Oh, that's the name of the book? <laughs> that's the name of the book. I know. I know. I thought that was the name of the page on Facebook. <laughs> It's, it's all same. good. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. It's the same. <laughs> no, well, I mean, who calls a book 
autism discussion page. But okay, so, so know, there's three books of that of that, and mm -hmm. and 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 I'm gonna recommend this. Parents start with the first one. This is awesome. Yes. love it. Yes. Thank you. The book is called the book is called Autism Discussion Page. Which let's just take a moment and recognize how very literal and in some ways <laughs> how very autistic that is. Oh, I've had a Facebook page called Autism Discussion Page, and people have found it really helpful. So now I'm going to compile all those columns into a book and call it Autism Discussion Page. It, is that what like they did? I, I don't know. I don't know. But as I'm talking to you, I'm just thinking that's just very autism. -y. It's why we had a fish named Fishy, and we have a golden retriever named Goldie, right? Like, I'm like, okay. I need to go see the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Um, anything else you would say on that, or should I move on to the next one? That um, was good. I like that. You know, if I was going to add three, and we don't want to overwhelm people, right? We don't want to overwhelm. And people. they are under already feel overwhelmed, right? You know. So how do we? Yeah. yeah. Dial yeah. it back, and it's time okay. and space. Love, time and space. There's nothing that urgently needs to happen. This is not a broken hip. Okay. That's yeah. good. That's good. That's good to hear. If we were going to go to step three, which would be maybe advanced, is know what other diagnoses your child has or ask whoever gave the autism diagnosis, is there anything else I should be looking for? Because we know a lot of these things like to come, you know, in pairs as friends. And so what we want to do is make sure we're getting the whole picture of how the child's brain is wired. But doesn't that make people think like, oh man, they don't just only have autism, now they have autism and now I have to think there might be something else? Like that can almost feel a little disheartening. Okay, I see but where you're coming from. You're like, this is the reality though, right? Okay, this is what someone said to me once. See if you find this helpful. Your child is your child no matter what, right? Right. You can either have a label that is not kind and understanding and not an educated diagnosis, or you can have a diagnosis, right? So you can either have the stubborn, willful, disobedient, you know, doesn't care, unmotivated, or you can figure out what's really causing that. Your child isn't any different once you have a diagnosis. And to me, that just spoke again to my heart. I don't want anybody labeling a child negatively right. Right. when there's actually something that's differently wired about them. Yeah. I see your point. Yes, it can be a lot, but okay. it's not, not going to change your everyday experience of your child. And again, I think it goes back to our first discussion point. Okay. So spend some time processing that your child has autism and ADHD. Okay. Not an uncommon situation. Take some time. Right? Join some Facebook groups. Go to a support meeting. Give yourself time to have whatever feelings you have about that. It's an intensively emotional process to have a child diagnosed with autism. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, number two, how important is an early diagnosis? Right. So, as with all things, early diagnosis is critical. Um, now, I do want to point out, and I think most of your listeners will know this, there's no cure for autism. So it's not like, oh, if we catch this at age three, we'll be able to cure it by age five. 
What I think it does do for you, though, it allows you to, first and foremost, understand your child better so your family interactions are more positive, you know, because this is what we all want, right? This is why we became parents, you know, is we wanted to have a house of love and kindness. I mean, sure, there's going to be frustrations, but I think that's the first reason for early diagnosis. The second reason for early diagnosis is education. You know, many kids are in some form of preschool by age three. Mm -hmm. And so where do you want to choose for preschool? And, you know, across the country, there are early intervention programs starting at age three funded through the Department of Education. So age three is the earliest age your child can get an IEP and get services Mm -hmm. like speech therapy or occupational therapy. Yes. So important. This is so important because I don't know that all parents know this. No, age three, you get an IEP. Say that again. Okay. So across the entire country, children are eligible for early intervention services, which could be called anything in your county, but just Google whatever your county's name is and early intervention for children, and you'll find the program. Here it's called Early Steps. But 10 years ago, it was called something else. And 10 years before that, it was called something else. You know how we like to do that. Um, So once you have an autism diagnosis, you will more than likely be eligible for, you know, this early intervention starting at age three. And you can get speech therapy, occupational therapy, you know, family help, special education placement. And again, I don't know what each and every one of your listeners is going to need. Some people are going to need a little. Some people are going to need a little more, you know. But if you have that IEP in place, then you're already starting to form the homeschool partnership, which is so vitally important. Right. And the supports and extra services that are going to help them through this. Yeah, absolutely. Help them with this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So another parent said, what can I do at home to start helping my child with their speech? Because my, my nephew and their child um, kind of start, stopped speaking and they were developing normally. Okay. Okay. So that is a specific form of autism and speech delay when you have been developing your speech normally and then you lose your speech. Okay. Um, so... I think it's important for your listeners to understand, though, that kids who are diagnosed with autism can develop language early, they can develop speech and language on time, or they can be late with speech or language. So there is no direct correlation between articulation and learning to speak and autism, where most kids with autism have some form of difference or even a deficit is in reciprocal conversation. So the back and forth conversation that you and I are having right now, that's something that, you know, a person with autism often has to learn as opposed to talking about their special interests only or not paying attention when the other person is talking. So what I would say to any family is, you know, get that IEP and use it to get a speech evaluation. So you can figure out, you know, is your child delayed in actual articulation of language or is it more the communication aspect and they need to learn 
how to communicate what their needs are and how to understand what other people are saying. But I think this is an area of such specific expertise that we've got to start with a speech language evaluation. Okay. And going back to our discussion from earlier, you might feel like this is a lot to take on, right? But it's going to be harder for you to have a child who you can't communicate with. Yeah. Yeah. And then just follow what that speech pathologist says to do in regards to tools and practices at home. Um, and what if like this parent, I'm, I can just imagine like maybe their child isn't starting services till maybe the fall. And they're trying to think of like, is there anything I can do now over the next few months or over the summer? Um, is there anything that they could work on or, or do now before they have that evaluation and the speech pathologist tells them what they could be doing? I am not, you know, qualified, so I'm going to hesitate a little yeah. bit on speech language. That's, specific. That's fine. What I will say is I don't think you could ever go wrong with literacy, right? So keep reading, keep playing music, keep watching videos, right? Yeah. Keep building those basic building blocks of literacy so that when you get to the point where, you know, you have the evaluation, you've at least done that, yeah. you know, but awesome. I okay. think like, yeah. do what you would normally do anyway right. with your exposing yeah. to those books and pictures and learning. Okay. That's good. Um, and then tips for parents on how to cope and better understand the diagnosis or anything more you want to add to that? I feel like you've said a lot around that already. <laughs> I think what we might want to talk about here for a minute is, yes, as parents, we need to understand it, but we also need to start learning how do we explain it to others, right? So my child, Jacob, has autism. I mean, I'm, not, I'm speaking hypothetically, right? What this means for you, Mrs. Mason, as a second grade teacher, is that you're going to see these behaviors from Jacob. And this is what helps Jacob to self-regulate or cope in the moment. So, yes, we have to go through our own process of understanding and coping, but then the next thing on our plates, to be real, is we have to start being able to help other people understand our child. And, yes, at school, but also in our own families, in the neighborhood, right? Um, I remember, you know, I've not had very many unkind comments to me about my kids who are neurologically atypical. Um, but there was one person in our previous neighborhood who said, oh, I always knew there was something wrong with him. And I thought, oh, I don't think those are the words. I didn't say this, but in my mind, I was soothing myself by saying, I don't think those are the words you're looking for. You just don't have better words, yeah. you know? And so, you know, educating grandparents, aunts and uncles, best friends, neighbors on you know, what is an autism diagnosis and what can you expect to see? And when, you know, your child, your son or daughter is rigid or they're melting down, that this is a result of, you know, how their brain is wired with autism. And what you'll see me doing is, you know, kind of taking him to a quiet space or compromising on what he needs. And I might ask you for some support in that moment. But I think we go through a lot as parents to understand the autism diagnosis and then we have to do even more work karen and it's hard and we have to figure out how do we talk to 
family and friends and school about our child and how autism looks in our child. Because people have a lot of ideas about autism, but they don't really know our child in autism. Yeah. Yeah. And wouldn't you say from your experience, I'm curious, do, do any of your parents feel like they, their child in school, maybe they get the vibe from the teacher that the teacher doesn't really know what, what they, they should be doing with them? Like, like, it's just interesting because when I interviewed Dr. Stephen Shore, who is also an individual with autism, he was like, Karin, teachers shouldn't be scared. Like they know best practices for kids and best practices for kids are best practices for kids with autism. And I was like, yeah, but they just sometimes feel like they want to have the specialists work with them. And, and maybe they're the only ones who can work with them, not the only ones, but they really feel that difference. Do you, have you seen or noticed any of that? Don't you think that comes from teachers wanting to be conscientious and do the best job they can do? They want to understand every child in their classroom. And so when they have a child with a 504 or an IEP who has any kind of diagnosis, I think teachers are such caring individuals that they want to understand, you know, and recognizing that teacher training does not really provide not much in a way of understanding you know, developmental disorders or neurologically atypical kids. Yeah. You know, to some extent, I think that would be an interesting discussion to have. Yes, back, best practices are best practices for kids no matter what. But then there are specific challenges. What do you do if a kid with autism, you know, is being really rigid and refuses to engage in anything, you know, and participate in class in any way? What if they are emotionally dysregulated frequently in the classroom? What if they're having meltdowns? Yeah. So possibly from a how do we teach, you know, our subjects, art, music, writing, math, maybe best practices are best practices. But I do think that there are additional skills that educators are gonna need for kids with autism because they're gonna encounter one of those two pieces of the symptoms, right? Either that kind of rigid personality where there are fixed interests or things have to be done a certain way. Yeah. And it would be very easy to misunderstand that and think a child's being disrespectful. Very easy. Or they're gonna encounter that lack of reciprocal communication where the child's not really hearing what they're saying and they're going to have to make more of an effort to unpack that for the child. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would probably add, yes, best practices are best practices. Jill Palmette, hi, how are you? Oh my gosh, so excited <laughs> to see you. Um, this is a fun thing about Instagram. Okay. Um, <laughs> So Jill Palmette is an excellent example of a teacher who, yes, she had all the best practices from an education point of view, but she had those additional skills for what do you do with the rigidness? What do you do with the fixed interests? What do you do with the kid who doesn't seem to understand what you're saying, even though you know they're really bright? So I don't know. What, what do you think? You're an educator. Do you think you need additional skills? Yes. And I don't think we're training teachers enough as rapidly as things are changing. I think that is a very, I think we're behind the eight ball. Um, 
I think a lot of things in education need to change. I think there's a lot of things we're doing archaic. Any any company you go to in the world, you are on the cutting edge of what is happening and you are educating and you know you have to like keep educating your your entire team to stay at the forefront. And then all of a sudden something about education, it's like, wait, what, why aren't we on the forefront? How, when's the last time I sent my team, my teachers to a self PD that they wanted to learn on their own to grow their own craft? They should have that opportunity every year. Like, so anyway, <laughs> that's another discussion. Well, and you know, it's not, and I say this every time I talk about education, it's not the individual teachers. It's the whole system it's of the education system. and education policy. It, it is not individual teachers. You're right. Individual Those teachers te would spend their last dollar going Preach to that it. professional development. Yes, they would. Yes, they would. And so I love this year, I've asked my teachers at the end of their observation, if there's one thing you could go for professional development in an area that you want to grow in your craft in, what is it? Because if there's any way I can make that happen for you, I want to do that for them. Yes. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yes. And I do believe that they are showing up doing the best they can with the resources they know and everything that they've been equipped and knowledgeable to this point, they're doing the best they can. Right. I do believe I mean, that. It is so, so hard. It was hard before COVID. Yes. Much less yes. post-COVID. And we can't lose sight of that. No, no. And um, so I picked up this statistic today. In 2022, last year, one in 44 student kids, children, were diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. In 2020, it was one in 54. And this Dr. Stephanie Seneff out of um, MIT, a research scientist, she predicts that half of kids in the U.S. will have autism by 2025. Like, what is it, Noreen? Like, why? Why is it more than ever and growing so rapidly? Like, a teacher asked me that, and I was just like, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta research this more to come back with that answer. Well, let's you and I research it a little bit. I mean, obviously, we know with all things, some of it is better identification, right? Yes. Better screening, yes. better testing, better identification. Okay. But the same question comes up with ADHD. Is there a greater prevalence or are we just identifying more of it, you know? Put, um, and I don't know. name to something that always was. Right. Like how I'm, many adults do we walk around and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm probably so like undiagnosed ADHD. I've even thrown that out there. Oh like, yeah. So maybe that's an example like that. Oh, I saw the funniest meme the other day <laughs> and it was something about like autism. That didn't exist in my day. And, and the other person says something like, Oh, yeah, because your grandpa, who had to have ham and green beans and had a collection of 3,000 postage stamps, he might not have been on the spectrum. And I was like, oh, that, I mean, it just cracked me up. And, of course, we don't know. And we don't want to judge. I know. And that's not oh, our place. Like, is it technology? But, is it something in the right. immunizations? No. Is, it, is it just the, now we're, no, we're recognizing symptoms of being able to label it and identify it? Yeah. I think half is, half is. Uh, that's uh, that's a million dollar question you know that's a lot oh, 2025 yeah her prediction yeah yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see all yeah. right let's throw one more question in okay. um tips wait i think i said that oh what is aba for anyone listening that doesn't know what that is and why this parent asked is it recommended for children diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder okay wow okay you should probably have on an ABA person 
Okay. Let's I'll do, do that. Okay. Let's do the very beginnings of ABA okay. because we want to really understand and respect how overwhelming this is. So ABA stands for Applied Behavioral Analysis. ABA, Applied Behavioral Analysis. Okay. And in ABA, what specialists in behavior analysis do is they took a look at three things. The antecedents of behavior, okay, so what comes before the behavior, and then the consequences, okay? And so when we have, and you know, I've talked about this a lot, so I'm going to have to make my point here and stand on my soapbox for a minute. When we have Go a for it. behavior, which is not a behavior, but it's a symptom, right? Yes. So I would say antecedent symptom consequence, but I, you know, I'm on my soapbox for a minute. What behavior analysis tries to do is decrease the frequency of those behaviors that we don't want, right? The melting down, the punching the wall, the throwing the grilled cheese on the floor, right? Right. And increase the behaviors we do want to see. Expecting. Putting under, right. And so what ABA does is try to help parents and teachers understand what happens before the behavior to, you know, create the behavior. Is it you know, frustration? Is it a lagging skill? Is it an inability to communicate a need? And how do we address that, right? And then what are the consequences? And I think it's so important to remind everyone who's listening, praise, rewards, respect are way stronger behavior change agents than any kind of punishment. Oh, you might have to say that again. So when we take a look at behaviors we want to change, because inevitably there are behaviors we want to change in our children. Right. It is so important to keep in mind that rewards, praise, reinforcements are so much more powerful than punishments. So the minute you see anything that is close to the behavior you want, praise that, notice that. Ask the child how they feel. I say in my coaching practice, when I'm training coaches, I say, if you say it, you'll see it, right? Like you see a little bit of it and you're like, oh my gosh, you studied for that test because they got a 54 instead of an 18. And they're like, well, I still failed. And you're like, you failed, but you did so much a better job. How does it feel to have a 54 versus an 18? And they'll be like, well, I still failed. And you're like, yep, you did, but you must have changed something. And I want to know what that is. Yeah. And so we didn't completely solve the problem, but you're seeing it or you're saying it so you can see it more and see it more and see it more. Mm -hmm. Punishment is not a very effective mode of behavior change. It's just not. And many of us grew up in fear-based households where we were afraid we were going to get killed if we did something, you know, yeah. but... That's, we know that that's not best practices in parenting. Yeah. You know what I learned this year that I love from um, a behavior analyst? They, I'll make up a kid's name, Luke, and the student is, is semi-nonverbal. And so uh, what, what we've learned to do is we say, snaps for Luke, snaps for Luke. Like, 
like you're you you're you're reading the word you read the word snaps for luke snaps for luke and the and the kid will literally go like this and like kind of smile and i i've never seen like that before and and so i've learned that this year and it was yeah, yeah. i love that yeah. and how simple is that but it is so simple. reinforcing to luke yes. you know like snaps. yes i mean i know about you but honestly i could be trained to work for snaps <laughs> You know, right. it actually makes me smile. <laughs> right? I mean, if you walked into your office, okay, if you walked into your office and everyone in your office was like, Karen, wouldn't you feel pretty good walking into work? I mean, I yes. maybe I'm just, you know, kind of compliant that way, but if people were snapping for me, that, that would be as good as praise. Snap for dr russell steps for dr russell you're awesome oh yeah i yeah i actually did it the other day it was fun it was cute yeah it was it was fun i love learning these things this is great this is good and that's even a simple thing a parent can take away from this too so easy so Something easy like little that. star love on your chart at home little tiny star marble yeah. in a jar you know like penny in the jar it it can be so easy yeah. it can be yeah. so easy once you get through okay. your feelings yes Yes, and take care of yourself. We'll go. We'll end with what we started with: taking care of yourself. Um, it's okay. Be kind to yourself. Be gentle. If you feel yourself getting overwhelmed, take a step back. Take one thing off your plate. Yep. Instead of trying to read yep. three books, just read one. <laughs> Instead of right. you know right. getting overwhelmed, go back to a basic, a simple, a simple little, and know that you are doing awesome. You are doing great. that just know you are you have everything within you right now trust yourself trust yourself you're this child's parent for a reason trust yourself and no one can replace you only you are perfect for them well doctor say that again oh I, I just made a TikTok video this weekend about that and I and it ended with well, because we, we do this, we do this comparison game. We see all these perfect moms and we say, I'm not perfect. I don't add up. Well, perfect doesn't exist because what's perfect to one person is not perfect to another. And so the takeaway was you are irreplaceable. You are the only one for your child. You can't be replaced. Like when, like when teachers come to me and they tell me they're pregnant and they're going to have to go out and leave and they're like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, who cares? There are a million subs out there and there's only one you for your kid and you go enjoy that mo those moments, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to write that down for me. <sighs> okay. And I'm going to practice trusting myself because that's a, that's a big one for me. That's my, that's my, uh, oh, look, someone's sending us hearts. That's so cute. I'm not sure how they do that, oh. but that's sweet. Thank you for the love. Okay, what are we going to do next? Sending love back. Well, we got to finish our questions. I still have two more questions. Oh, okay. So we're going to do autism part two. Yeah, we'll do autism part two. And those who are listening or you have friends who are listening or you're friends with friends who have kids, share with us your questions. We're here. We literally want to come answer your questions and give them to you. So share them, DM either Noreen or myself, and we want to bring you these answers. And Noreen, as always, love, love, love. And I'm giving waves to all of our friends who, who are tapping in and saying hi. All right, have an awesome night. Thanks for making my night end so beautifully. Love you.
Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Momnificent Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be honored if you would subscribe and rate if you really liked it. I know wherever you're listening right now, it might not be the best time to leave a comment, but feel free to leave a question, a review, or a comment at any time. And until next time, remember, don't worry, be happy.